0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Parker Stevenson of Evolve Finance. He's a managing partner and the chief business officer there. They're a bookkeeping firm that specializes in helping online business entrepreneurs build more profit and financial stability in their online business. But today we're not
1: talking about bookkeeping. We're not talking about finance. What are we talking about? Oh, we have Parker on here to basically back up our recent opinions and our hot takes about service providers and the digital space that everyone thinks they need to go into. Parker literally made this pivot in their service-based business, Parker and his business partner, uh, about three years ago, where they had a kick-ass one-on-one service-based business. And then they thought the thing that they needed to do to grow and to scale was to turn into the one-to-many space, the digital space. And so we talk about the lessons learned there and shutting that down and the results of what happened after shutting that down and the things that Parker and his partner Corey really focus on now inside of their service. And it's literally everything we've been telling you about how to impact better, impact deeper, how to find happiness, simplicity, and ease in your business. Trust me, if you're a service provider who's wanting to make more and work less, this episode is going to blow your mind. Hello, Parker, and welcome back to the show.
2: How many times is this now? Because I feel like an honored guest. Like, I can't believe I I've like been, able been to be on your the show so many times. I feel like you've
1: been on the most at this point. Probably See more than a, anyone Just tell me else. that
2: again. Make me feel good and tell me that again. Yes.
1: You, you have been, <laughs> been our, on the our most. most recurring guest. We love, love, love having you on. And before anyone clicks away and is like, GD, are they going to talk about bookkeeping for 45 no, <laughs> minutes? We're not. I promise you. If you guys have been tuning in to the conversations Abigail and I have been having lately, you are going to freaking love this one. If you have not listened to episode 580 yet, I would do that. After you could listen to it before you can listen to it after this one. But it kind of this one is like a a little part two variation getting another perspective. This is, this is us proving our point. This is us 100% <laughs> is proving our point. We brought up this conversation with Parker when we were on his show very recently, which shout out to your what's the name of your show again?
2: It's The Bottom Line by Volfine. <laughs> the
1: Bottom Line. There you go. Go listen I'm to that. Totally Dude cuz I was mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> so listen to that. And you get to hear a little bit more of like Abby and I's like personal financial opinions and beliefs and all of that good stuff. But in that conversation, we kind of tease this hot take, this opinion about service providers transitioning into the digital space and what it really does for businesses and the, the realities of that financially, yeah. mentally, your productivity, your workload, all of the things. And Parker has such a unique perspective on this from both being in it, but also being in a lot of people's businesses. And so I feel like we're just going to air out all of your dirty laundry today mm-hmm. about courses and services, but I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah. So let's
0: start at the beginning so that people have a little bit of context. Tell the audience, for those who are unfamiliar, a little bit about where Evolved Finance starts. Like maybe even like the three year ago version before you really ramped up how many support people you had. And it was mostly you, Corey, and like one bookkeeper.
2: Yeah. I mean, my business partner, Corey Whitaker, he founded the business. Back in 2010, but even really before then, him and his wife, Anna, were doing bookkeeping for pretty much like a friend slash employer. Her name is Alexis Neely. She was a lawyer. She's changed her name a couple of times. She now goes by Ally Katz. But she had a law firm, Corey and Anna, were like kind of her personal assistants and then got involved in a law firm. And then she started an online business and none of the bookkeepers knew what they were doing. So Corey's just like, I'll do the books and they kind of figured it out and then she started referring business to Corey and next thing he knows, he's like a teenager at this point. Next thing he knows, like he's got a you know small stable of clients and then him and his wife now have a small stable of clients and then they hire their family friend, Susan, who is now our bookkeeping manager. She's the only other employee who's been there longer than me and they just started taking on clients like while they were going to school and college and I mean, Corey was making more money Throughout college, than I was probably five or six years after college. Like, just had this great little business. And so I got involved because Corey and his wife Anna are like our best friends. And I was curious about their business and I was curious about what their clients were doing. I was like, these online businesses, what the hell are they doing? Like, oh, I I just felt like I'd made all the wrong life decisions hearing about how (laughs) these people were making money and building businesses. And so I jumped in around 2014 as a partner and we, Built up a stable of clients for me and then we kind of – both Corey and I were like, okay, we're kind of reaching the amount of clients that he and I can be account managers for. We had a couple bookkeepers at that point, but it was still a very small team. And what happened was we were like, "Ugh, we're going to have to do some really hard work to scale this service. Let's just launch a course instead. Mm -hmm. And so we launched a couple courses and we were very fortunate that we have a lot of clients who had audiences that our course would be a good fit. We did some affiliate promotions with them, and did some joint webinars, and we sold some prod, like we sold the course, and we made some money on it. But from there, we kind of experimented with ads, and we're just like, how do we scale this thing? And then we realized, oh, we're running a second business right now. This is Mm -hmm. we don't we literally don't have enough time in the day to do this. And also, what we were discovering, at least with our niche and our expertise, people just want us to do it for them yes. like why yes. would we teach like yes. we we were thinking oh maybe there's an audience out there that's not ready for a bookkeeping service no. that we can help and it was like no those people need to focus on making money and then come to us once they start making money yes. so we had to kind of go full circle with that and realize the biggest opportunity in front of us was scale our service business we have one offer it's bookkeeping we're really good at it we had a reputation in the industry for it seem so silly to look back at and go, why didn't we just do that? But we realized that we were going to have to make some adjustments in our business and we were going to have to get uncomfortable and we were going to have to hire and we were going to have to become leaders. But once we kind of got through all that discomfort and made that leap of faith into scaling it, it was amazing like how the floodgates opened in terms of getting new clients. And we've been growing ever since we met for the last three years, we've grown significantly because we didn't have waiting lists where we're like, Hey, we're kind of at capacity. Do you want to yeah. work with us? Like, we'll reach out to you if we have room to now. It's like anyone that comes to us. It's like, if you're a good fit, we're ready. Like we always yeah. have the capacity to do it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very easy. It was definitely a lot of work, but now looking back, it's like, Oh, that was the best decision we've ever made.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I'll tell you straight up why you <laughs> you decided to do a course. I mean, it makes total sense. Like your clientele, this is what they do. This mm. is your primary client, at least at least three years ago. It might have evolved since then. I, I would imagine you have a more diverse range of online businesses at this point, but
2: But courses are still a big piece for sure. Yeah. Right,
0: right. And so when your world of influence is other people doing this and I would say doing it successfully because most of the people working with you, at least when we came on board, it was like some of the bigger names in the business Mm -hmm. were your clients. And it's hard when you see people be successful. You're like, I want a piece of that too. But you were successful. You were working Mm -hmm. with the most premium set of clients in an industry. Easily. And and like getting them easily and serving them really well. And... (laughs) And... To not double down in that, I get it. I feel like you had to like scratch that itch. But at the same time, I wish I could have more service providers instead of going through that fumbling of like, basically trying to start a whole nother business Mm -hmm. that they could instead like they might need to take a step back and work on some systems and work on how the process works so that they are able to bring in the right people so that they can scale the service business. That takes time, but that is still far easier than building this entirely other arm that is technically another business.
2: So let me do a caveat before we dive into this because sure. I just want to make sure everyone's clear on on sort of my stance with service-based businesses. I am obviously have a huge bias because I love our business. And we kind of talked about this behind the scenes last time we chatted. Pick your poison, right? Yeah. There's bull crap you're going to deal with in a course yes. business. There's bull crap you're going to deal with when in a service business, right? There's not, oh, one business model is better than the other. Right. I can go on and on about the downside of a course business just as I could the upside of a yes. course business. And again, we a lot of our clients sell courses or hybrid models of a course mixed with some coaching. They do really well. They've put in the time. They put in the effort to really build that up and they make it work. But I think like you two said on the last episode, episode 580, I think, talking about how everyone thinks, oh, you should just pivot from a service-based mm-hmm. business. I think a lot of people who have service-based businesses just don't understand the benefits that their business has because they go, oh, but you can scale a sur- or a course-based business so quickly mm-hmm. and that's good. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think scaling as fast as you possibly can is good. And I think that's where service-based businesses really can grow at a pace that you can keep up with in terms of your own development. You're building your own skill sets, learning more about how a business runs. And so we can obviously dive more into that. But I don't think course-based businesses are inherently bad at all. It can be great. But service-based businesses are definitely undervalued. And I think there's a lot of people who could have more success and make a bigger impact in their businesses if they stuck to the model that their clients are already asking for, which is help me provide a service, get involved in my business or get involved in your life.
1: I think the reason why I'm super passionate about this messaging is because the service providers we're helping and we're talking to and we're having conversations with have goals that can be reached with their existing business and are realizing sometimes, like it's not it's never too late to pivot back or to restructure. You guys did that. But like are realizing in the throes of a second Instagram account or a podcast or a YouTube channel or whatever they did to implement that course side or their one to many side of their business, when they're down that route, they're realizing, "Holy shit, I don't actually like marketing in this way. I don't really like selling in this way. I have a business, but to sell even a high ticket service to your network, to people you know, to one person through a referral, through testimonials is a completely different ball game than running a live stream multi-day challenge to get 5,000 people to sign up to go buy this thing. Like it is just a different thing. And I think people are realizing, oh, I don't actually like running a business in that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think even for me as someone who's, I'm kind of the face of our business, the voice of our business. Yeah. I'm the one who do the podcasts. I'm the ones who do, uh, one who does like our workshops and hosts our own podcast. I love talking about business. I love yeah. talking about what we do, but I see what some of our clients have to do, the game they have to play, I guess, in order to market and sell their business. And I go, yeah. I don't think I would want to do that. I could right. learn it, I guess, if I had to, but... It doesn't speak to me as much as being able to be higher touch, lower volume, Mm -hmm. bigger impact. Mm -hmm. And that just works better for me because that's what kind of fuels me versus we have other clients who just have different personality types different skill sets they love social media for like I hate social media and a lot of our clients are really good at social media I'm not good at social media I don't really care about getting that good at social media and our business doesn't really need social media in order to grow it. it hasn't mm-hmm. needed that as a marketing tool so again that's where we could dive mm-hmm. so far into all this stuff but I yeah. think that's a really good point Emily about what game do you want to play and what game are you good at playing and understanding right. what your skill sets are and what you sort of enjoy Doing, I think, is has a big factor on what kind of business model really makes sense for you,
0: right? And I think you're a great example of someone who kind of like has that desire to be a bit more of a personality, yeah, even though you stuck with the service Mm -hmm. because I do think some of our clients do have that desire to like have a little more face, but. I would also venture to guess that a lot of them are introverted extroverts where they're like putting on a front to like, show up in this way, but it's very exhausting for them. And to try to do that all the time and at the capacity we're talking about can be really hard. No shame to admit the faults if we're talking about cons for a second. Like you said, you can scale fast. But if you do it wrong, you can go cash flow upside you down really broke. quickly. Mm-hmm. And Emily and I are lucky that we were able to turn shit around. But I remember having some really hard conversations with you, Parker, yep. about if we don't turn this ship, like we could have at some point closed our business because of how much we lost trying to play the game that is constantly changing and you're at the The are always changing. (laughs) Keep playing the games of like whatever Facebook and Instagram is rewarding you for at the time. Like it's a lot, it's a big gamble and it's, it can be an expensive gamble. And to your point, there's not downfalls. Like working a client business, there's absolutely things that could drive you crazy and there's things that can feel frustrating, but that's just a part of being in business. Like you're mm-hmm. always going to have things that are hard. You're always going to have things, not like every second of every day, I, ideally. <laughs> Hopefully but like, not. <laughs> but you are going to have seasons where things can feel frustrating. I am curious, with the background knowledge that you have now, do you feel like there are certain industries or certain types of services that are people crave more of the done for you, versus the education, because I do think a lot of our audience has attempted to teach other people how to do the thing, when people would much prefer them just do it for them. And I'm curious if you have specific industries you think that really applies to.
2: I mean, I think finance is one of the big ones because we've seen, I've talked with accountants and financial planners and Mm -hmm. people who have very specific knowledge that they want to teach and people just, people with enough money that that information would be helpful to them. They just go, I don't have the time to learn this. Just do it for me. I will give you the money to do it for me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And I even think when you get into even certain marketing tactics, like I would ask my client, If I were talking to someone, why are you spending time to, especially if they're established, like all of our clients are at least six figures or more, but they're at a point where it's like, why would you business owner take a course on some, about some social media platform instead of just hiring a social media manager to start doing and executing this for you, right? Mm -hmm. So there's certain things that I don't ever think it's a bad thing to learn new right. new stuff right and especially in the early stages of, the, of your business we're all trying to learn like what's this game we're trying to play and you're trying to learn new skill sets but you get to this point in your business where for me I don't buy courses I just mm-hmm. don't because I want people to come in and get the work done in the business I don't have time to sit there and learn every part of my business so in the early, when we first started of all finance one of the only courses we ever bought I think it's the only course standalone course was a copywriting course it was helpful it was great and it was at a time in the business where i kind of needed to understand that more we are literally working with two copywriters not right now on two projects because i'm like i'm I not going to do this all yes. on my own because it's not a good use of my time it's not what i'm i'm good at and there's people who can make this more effective for me we can get better results from the copywriting by mm-hmm. paying them to do that so i think that's where sometimes people don't really realize okay well who is my target market do they actually want to learn this do they have the time to learn this and again that's what we realized was why would a six or seven figure business want to know anything about finance when they just Literally. want someone to take care of it and if they are going to learn it we can do it in a more intimate way on our group calls each one of yes. our clients gets a strategic call on during the onboarding process where we can make it more worth their time and more impactful so that right. then they enjoy the service more and they get more out of the service as we take care of them every month and are giving them their financial reporting. Well, so so I think that's there's probably other industries as well where people are like, yeah, I don't want to learn that, but I know our right. industry for sure. The finance industry, I've never really heard of anyone and
1: who's here's trying what to I teach financial happening.
2: concepts. That's blown yeah, up. Yeah.
1: Here's what I see happening and I think it's so funny. There's a huge conversation has been going on for years of... You don't need to be everywhere in your business. You don't need to learn everything. Take it off your plate. Why are you still doing that? Like that whole like girl boss vibe, right? Of just like take everything off your plate. You don't need to do anything in your business. Like outsource, delegate, whatever. And then there are service providers abandoning their position of being able to provide that service because they want to go teach people how to do it. So there's a giant hole in the market today, right now, because service providers are being told that they are creating a codependency on their clients if you're doing everything for them, but then Course creators or digital providers are saying, well, delegate and hire everything off of your plate because why should you be doing it? And so there's this huge gap in the middle where you guys are everyone is separating from each other. And it's just so ridiculous to me because we've all just what we've just realized that we'd, we've we stopped hiring people for things like i need my dentist that doesn't mean i have a codependency relationship on my dentist i don't understand this concept of like if you're a web designer doing web design for people stop fucking teaching people how to do web design and just go do web design for people
2: and learn how to build a web design business oh my and god will, and the irony here is especially in the business education space a lot of our clients, smartly so, moved away from just standalone courses and now have like live experience that goes along with it. It's right?
0: essentially a serviceified yeah. coaching program delivered as a service.
2: <laughs> yeah, but when uh, so, I have a couple that I do some coaching with. It's the only client I do some coaching with that's not a client, and they teach this hybrid. High- hybrid model. They're called the Visionary CEO Academy, Brianne and Jill. And so they saw this a long time ago too and realized like, hey, there is this gap between a course, like you wouldn't go to college and just like, hey, give me the economics textbook and I'll just read it all myself and I'll learn it. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, you show up to class. There's assignments that are given. There's tutoring. There's a live element to help us learn. And I think some of our clients do have courses that are totally fine standalone courses. They might be more of a B2C. It's not something you need a lot of support on. Like the example I always use is we have a client that has a piano course. And it's like, it's meant to be something that's easier and more convenient than trying to find a piano teacher and take lessons and still get results. Mm -hmm. He does very well with that. Versus if I'm going to take a program like Caitlin Batcher where she's going to teach something that's more intricate mm-hmm. and something that's a, that demands a little more of my time and, and is going to help but is still ultimately going to help my business build systems and build processes to help us grow. Well, her program is going to have coaches and support and live events that allow people to work together to get feedback like you were going to school. So I think that's something where a lot of course creators don't realize. It's like, sure, the information in your course might be great. But is it really information someone can just sit down and go through and learn the skills and actually get results from it without having some sort of community or support system to allow them to get the feedback they need to actually learn?
0: Want to learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I'd love to circle back to you kind of deciding to let of this go and you had built a course you had sold it you were lucky enough to have like the right connections to get it in front of some people identified that people wanted it done for them and they didn't necessarily want to learn the thing when you let that go tell me a little bit more about what it was like to reorganize a bit and get clear on the system so that you could hire and so that you could bring on what i would kind of call like account managers or team leads like How did you make that transition? Because I think the transition from I'm a solopreneur and I might have like an admin who's helping me with some of the things to like building more of an agency feels like a big leap for people, but I don't think it has to be nearly as complicated as people are making it out to be. So I'm curious a bit more about how that worked for you.
2: Yeah. So I'll kind of explain a broad picture of where our head's at when we do it. First off, we are a firm and a firm is defined as all employees. So it's a service where all employees, like a law firm or an accounting firm, it's all employees. An agency model is where it looks like a firm, but your team is mostly contractors, right? You're almost like a middle person for finding designers or developers or whatever, and then mm-hmm. grouping them together to get projects done for your clients. So I just kind of wanted to define that because we are yeah. all employees. We have no contractors on our team. We have at this point we have 17 people on payroll, 16 full time. The 17th is part time, and that was after when I started in the business seven years ago. Was me, Corey, Susan, and then Anna was working. You know, Corey's wife was working on a client then too, and that was it. So we we've grown, and that a lot of that growth came in the last three years. And so the what the big after kind you of let the course go after, after let we let goes. the course go, yeah. Well, so after okay. we did the course, and we sort of realized number one the amount of content marketing we were going to have to do and the amount of just marketing in general to build a list because we still have a very modest list. And that's something we're focusing on, but we would really have to ramp that up to have the audience large enough to consistently sell our course. So what we kind of realized was, okay, let's shut this down. It sucks. We built this thing. We thought it was going to be the answer, but it's okay. We learned from it. Now let's double down. Our biggest concerns were, well, how do we hire a remote team? Because we we both, Corey and I, live in Southern California. It's going to be really hard to have a full team in Southern California when it's so expensive to live here. So then the kind of question was, can we have a remote team? Now, When we made this decision three or four years ago, there was no real bookkeeping company doing something like this. Post-COVID, obviously everyone's virtual. And it's like, well, no duh, why didn't you just do that? But with client security and stuff like that, we had to make sure we built the systems and had the hiring process to make sure we were bringing people in, doing the background checks. And we had a team of people we trusted and our clients would trust, maybe a little more sensitive information than a typical firm or agency would have. Once we kind of realized that it was possible and we could kind of get over the idea of like, Bringing people into our little world, and we were finding really great people. After our first couple of hires, we're like, "Holy crap, we found awesome people! Like, yes, they're really yes. good at this." Yeah, and but what we realized even before we hired them, though, was that ooh, like all the information on how to do all the things is in my brain and Corey's brain.
0: Yep.
2: So, we, <laughs> so Corey and I took a romantic brocation mm-hmm. to San Clemente. Oh. Oh. we spent a three days in a beautiful little beach condo in San Clemente. And I, we, I think
0: Emily and I need a girl case. Yeah, there, we do. No.
2: Well, <laughs> I don't think this is the kind you would want to go on because No, uh, I think
0: it might be exactly the kind we need to go on, but keep okay, going. <laughs> you might
2: need to. Um, <laughs> we sat there on our laptops and grinded through SOPs so yep. that we yep. finally had the documentation we needed on how everything gets done. Mm -hmm. And so this was back in the day when I actually knew how that worked more. Now that SOP document is so big because we have so many team members and we've documented so much more stuff. We regularly have our team going, this is the most organized business I've ever worked for. I've never worked for a company where what we do and what I do in my role is so clearly defined and I have the resources I need to reference. So it started as maybe a 30-page document. Now it's like we have probably 150 pages of SOPs that not everyone's in every day, but that we knew that was the first step. We needed to have material out of our head and start Mm -hmm. defining how the work gets done in the business, which is scary because book, there's a lot of things we have to do in a bookkeeping business. Once we did that three-day brocation, then it was like the weight was off our shoulders Mm -hmm. and we're like, now we can do this. And we have some team members that we hired that kind of had to go through some of the growing pains as we built yeah. this stuff out. Yeah. The clients would have never known it, but for them, they had to just learn so much and they had to help us build out some SOPs. But now all the team members that like our latest hires are just like, whoa, like this, you guys are so buttoned in, so organized that hiring people now has gotten dramatically easier, dramatically mm-hmm. easier. And we know exactly what roles everyone has. The last thing I will say here though is we also kind of had to map out the model of what this was going to look yeah, like.
0: Yeah. Is absolutely. this
2: business going to be profitable? Because it's very easy, especially for like marketing agencies. Marketing agencies have a really bad reputation for not being very profitable because usually it's a creative business owner who isn't thinking about the cost of their projects and pricing their projects appropriately. Mm -hmm. So for us, we got even more clearly defined on what our offer was. We had to kind of shift our offer a little bit, like what our service actually was to make it more productized. But along the way going, how do we make our service more valuable to our clients? Like make it even better for them, but also niching it down to where it's like, we're not going to do these things anymore. We're going to do these things. These are the most impactful things we can do. And then we can build systems and processes around them so that they're consistent and we do it better than anyone else. But if you're looking for a different experience than what we offer, then you need to go find that experience. Mm -hmm. We know exactly what our clients need and how to piece it together. So pricing that appropriately and then building out the compensation structure for our bookkeepers and account managers to go, okay how do they get paid relative to how many clients they have. And that allowed us to really map out the financial map. What does this look like when we have X amount of clients and even more clients and even more clients? And what happens when we need to get an operations manager, when we need to promote a bookkeeping manager? And we had to go further than this. And then I think a lot of people would need to go in the initial stages. But it's like for a lot of people, it's just like, okay, I'm doing all the things with a virtual assistant in my service. What does it look like if I had Two other people doing the things I'm doing, can I price my offer and still pay my team and still have profit left over? And granted, we, you know, both Corey and I have a good amount of finance experience and spreadsheet experience, but literally we have this map that we're going out and like our numbers are just matching up with it. Like all our estimations around how many clients can someone, you know, can a team member be working with and, and, and all, and like all the kind of general costs of our business. A service-based business is so simple that mapping those expenses out are so consistent and so much easier that we literally have a financial roadmap guiding us to where we want to go. So I know that's a lot.
1: No, it's amazing. Thoughts? It's and that's what we that's what we help you with inside the incubator, by the way. It's it's, 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 it's true that's overwhelming we've got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you were like, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. What <laughs> <laughs> for sure, I definitely recommend you go to bossproject.com slash incubator. And if any of this is resonating with you, you definitely need to send us a DM over at Boss Project. We want to talk more in depth about it. But I do want to take a second to thank you, Parker, because I feel lucky that I was on this train with you literally pretty much the whole time. So like Mm -hmm. I was there when before the course existed, I was there as you built it, I was there as you let it go, I was there as you made a transition to change your offer. And I want to ask you a quick question, because I imagine there's some people here that are feeling a bit resistant to both either increasing their prices, and or restructuring their offer to offer less at a higher price. Mm -hmm. And they're having a little bit of a panic. But I'm curious, when you made that change, did you lose any of your retainer clients?
2: So when we made the change, what I think was the biggest issue was we had a handful of clients who were used to working with Corey and I one-on-one. Yes. Um, and even you two, right? We had, we had we yeah. had calls each month and we sort of had to go over the course of two years, sort of wean our clients off of uh-huh. Corey and I being on one-on-one calls. And what the reality of the situation was, we were talking about the same thing every is. month. Yeah. It was repetitive It wasn't necessarily a good use of our time or the client's time. Mm -hmm. And we knew that the value of what we could teach could be done so in a more scalable way. Right. So, and we realized that we were leaning on Corey and I as being the saviors to, that's why you work with us, work with Corey and Parker. But really what we realized was, it's not about Corey and Parker. Mm -hmm. It's about our systems. It's about the reliability. It's about the customer service. Mm -hmm. And it's about being experts at something that our competitors aren't experts at. And we've had clients leave and come back because they go, oh, Oh. that was a mistake because I just realized they have no idea what they're doing relative to what you guys are doing. So uh,
1: that's the difference between creating a codependency and maintaining it. Versus creating a productized service that still provides the same exceptional results and value Mm -hmm. without you having to have that codependency. And so I think what I want our service providers who are listening to really take away is that we're not saying that there aren't pivots that you're going to need to do in your business to reach new goals to right. reprioritize your time or your life or grow. You might have to retrain up.
0: your existing
1: clients. That's but okay. you don't have to burn your service business to the ground yes. or start another business to reach those things. Right.
2: And we were fully prepared to have a mass exodus. And we did a minor change in the first year to our service. Really didn't have too much of effect. The second change was right before COVID which was were just like perfect timing, great. Yeah. And we did lose a few clients. And, but um, I would but imagine uh, most we were of those
0: weren't because of you, right?
2: Well, some of them were just like they wanted that codependent yeah. experience. Yeah. And they're great people. I wish they were still working with us because I know we could still help them. Yeah. But we were mm-hmm. ready for like a significant portion of our clients to leave And they didn't. didn't Well, you know what? And then then when our and here's the other piece that's the trip is the more we defined our service, Mm -hmm. and the more we pushed away the people that like this isn't a good fit for, and really spoke to the people that it is the best fit for. Our service, like the last two three years, we've grown. So quickly, and have had to hire so quickly, but we were ready for it. And like, Mm -hmm. we've kept up with it the entire time. There were some times where it's like, oh my God, this is overwhelming. (laughs) But the more clients we bring on, the more team members we hire, the better at it we get, the more capacity Mm -hmm. we have, and the more confident we are in our ability to really make an impact in our clients' businesses. But it just takes that leap of faith. It's that leap of faith that you can find the right people, that you can learn how to systematize your business and that you Mm -hmm. can make your offer focused on what's the value you're bringing to them. It's not the amount of hours you're putting on the client's file. It's Mm -hmm. not the amount of time you spend with them. It's are you solving the problem that your client wants you to solve for them? And if you do, they are going to pay you for that very well because you and the client have the understanding that this is, you're here to do this thing and to get this solution figured out for me. And if your yep. business revolves yep. around that, they're, your clients are going to be like, this is the best service I've ever had because you're not doing yep. fluff. It's not about codependent relationship where you're there to make them feel good. You're getting shit done for them.
0: Well, there's a very distinct difference between service providers that are so focused on results, consistencies between partners that like, literally you couldn't even tell if one person was working on it versus another person was working on it because it's flowing And then I do think there's some smoke and mirrors service providers that are just so focused on selling, they really forget on the delivery. But I know the majority of the people listening to this, if you care enough, if you're sitting here wondering, like, I don't know how to make it a consistent service if I'm not the one providing it. The fact that you're even worrying about that is a sign that you're going to make sure it is right. Right. And it doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to make adjustments. It doesn't mean that like clients you booked at the very, very beginning don't get a little bit of extra treatment mm-hmm. initially. Those are all the okay things. Mm-hmm. And just because you make an exception for a client you've worked with for four years, it doesn't mean you're a bad business owner mm-hmm. because the new people you bring in, you're charging twice as much and offering less to. It's because you actually did the math and figured out what was required. To scale it.
2: Yeah. I have so many things I want to say about that. But we only, okay. have, we only have so much time. We have like two minutes here. That's <laughs> where I think it's really important to have your niche. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. not have a service where you do all the things. Where you're like, I'm yes. a marketing agency. And it's like, cool, what do you do? Exactly. Copywriting, Facebook ads, content, no. social media. It's no. like you can't scale that. Mm-hmm. And when we say we increased because we didn't double our price, but we increased our price. And we got more focused on what we deliver.
0: I don't think it phased most of your clients.
2: No, it didn't. And and that was not the issue that our clients had with the service. Nobody really – I don't think anyone had any feedback on it. Like I said, it was just a couple – there was a few people that wanted to keep that codependent relationship. Mm -hmm. That was more the issue than the pricing. But it was the value. We were increasing the value and we had to match the price with the Mm -hmm. value of what we were doing doing, which that's the piece where if it's just you in your business, you can make the business be profitable when it's just you and you can price lower because you don't have as many expenses. But as soon as you start hiring and you start building out systems and you're building out a team, then we need to make sure that that price doesn't just pay you, but it also pays your team, which the more people you have on your team, the better experience and the better service you can provide your customers.
0: Period. Right. Period. Yeah. I mean. Well, thank you so much, Parker. Like, obviously, I think we could talk about this all day. And I, I have loved witnessing the changes you have made. I've loved being a client of yours and feeling super supported throughout many different times in our business. So just thank you for being a good friend and a good partner for us. I would love for you to like leave some golden nuggets for people who've maybe started the thing, started that other arm, and they're just nervous about letting it go and like getting refocused and jumping back into the service. Can you give three to five little takeaways, things to maybe think
1: about, things to focus on or what helped you you guys make that decision? I'm going to
2: give give everyone one thing. So here's the one thing. If you're sitting there going, I'm trying to move into this course-based business and I have no audience and I have to build up an audience from scratch, with, at least with our business, we have done no Facebook ads. We've had, We now have a client engagement coordinator on our team and she's a godsend and our social media will get better, but we've grown with the worst social media presence ever. And we've done it with a very small list that frankly makes very little impact on our business. So, you have
0: 17 employees and a full roster of clientele mm -hmm. without any real online advertising, social?
2: It's all referrals. Take care of your customers. So, if you're in a niche, that will spread. Like the word will spread if you're good. And if you're good at your service, you're good at solving a problem for your clients, and you provide really stellar customer service, they will talk our clients yeah. are our marketing strategy, right? Mm-hmm. We have a, f- a referral fee. So we reward anyone that sends clients our way. But for years, our clients, we didn't even have a referral fee and clients just still refer people to us because they were so thrilled with the service yeah. and they were so thrilled with the experience that they were like, oh my God, I need to tell like other people in the industry about this because There's nothing like it, and they need this. And that's where, especially me being a relationship building type person, Corey is a great network and a relationship building type entrepreneur. We've been able to build our business one relationship at a time with our main marketing focus revolving around are our clients being taken care of, and are they getting the experience that we're promising for them? Are we better than any other experience that they could have out there? And for me, That's been super fulfilling because the business grows, the more we focus on making sure we take care of our clients. And I think that is a very simple and fulfilling marketing strategy. It's slower than Facebook ads to a course or you know being an influencer and having a hundred thousand YouTube followers or Instagram Mm, followers. I know
0: if you think about the cost of those things and the time and the effort and the energy, I really think you probably did it way faster. I know very few, very few. People who have a course-based business with seventeen employees.
2: Yes. Period. Yes. We have we do have and that's where my perspective is is I, you know, we see clients that have done right. that before and more power right. to them. Again, I don't know if I could have done what they've done, but there is a simplicity to this business model that yes. if you if you're willing to start to build a team, if you're willing to get organized and really structure your service, yes. we have to spend a lot more time on leadership, on team building, on operations, but our marketing, like my big focus now is marketing and sales, which is great. And I love selling our business and I love marketing our business, but it's so much more straightforward and it's so much less risky, which is appealing to me versus I would be a lot more nervous if we were trying to you know, drop $50,000 a month on Facebook ads to keep a funnel going that I know if those ads are no longer working, which... Mm you too can have a little bit of uh, experience with this. All of a sudden you're scrambling to figure out, well, now all of a sudden our marketing strategy is no longer working. Every business has Mm -hmm. risk. Every business is stressful. But I will say that that's been a huge benefit for us is that it's been word of mouth. It's been referrals. It's been relationships. And for me, that's just been really fulfilling. And I know Corey feels the same way for sure.
1: Well, and as a client who has referred people your way, I'm happier that I can continue to refer people your way without fearing that our service is going to be yes right
0: because I've also I've there's some people that I I won't refer to keep a secret
1: right Mm -hmm. I keep it a secret because they don't like you could break your business if I open my mouth about you
2: yeah Mm -hmm. and and I've had the same thing and that was something we focused so much on and that's why and I think we're hesitant We did not want to grow this business at the sake of the quality of service we had. We felt so loyal to our current clients and we felt so honored that they, you know, some of our clients have trusted us with their books for six, seven years now. Like since I started Mm -hmm. in the company that our whole thought was if we can grow this business and the service only gets better and yeah. no one ever feels neglected then we figured it out right Absolutely. we we and we feel very fortunate that as of today we have a team of people who love what they do they love serving our clients we have clients that remain with us year after year and it again it's been a it's been a long journey to get here this is a 10 yeah. business that's developed over 10 years but yeah. i feel like we have a business that's more stable than any job I've ever had. I feel more fulfilled by the work we do. I feel like I have a sense of community because we have team. It's not just like Corey and I doing all the things with a bunch of contractors overseas. We have people that are invested in the business. And then we have these relationships with clients like my relationship with you two. And I have relationships with some other clients that I legitimately feel are my friends that if we were in town, we would go hang out. And I just think that sometimes it's more than just how fast can we grow. It's about do we feel good about the impact? Do we feel like we have community? And that's where I think service-based businesses can really, really deliver on that.
1: Yep. What if at the end of this episode, we were like, okay, and we're letting you go.
0: (laughs) No, no, Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited that we get to serve people in this way. And if any of this resonated with you, we really are passionate about helping service providers focus on a premium experience creating that consistency that can be delivered on autopilot mm-hmm. because you have the right systems in place. And we're here and we're ready to help you grow. So head to bossproject.com incubator and send us a DM over at Boss Project. We'd love to chat. Thank you so much, Parker, for being here. And if they need to check you out, they can head to evolvefinance.com we're like on the homepage, mm-hmm. so well, you'll know you're in the right
1: spot.
2: Exactly. You're not at Boss Project's <laughs> website. You're out of all finance, I promise.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Parker, for being here.
2: No, thank you, ladies, for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join The Co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics, we make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless.